It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Big uh, Tuesday coming your way. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour. Man, do we have a lot of issues to discuss. Instead of a big three, I got out a big ten today. Uh, and we'll probably talk about all these issues uh, from what's happening uh, at the border to what's happening with, uh, with China and their investigation and on down. As well as the President of the United States, the former President of the United States, firing back at his former uh, pandemic team, Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burke, kind of sounding off on him and blaming him for the deaths of uh, thousands on CNN over the weekend. The president didn't appreciate that. And point by point, he took him down. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Another woman has come forward with allegations against Governor Cuomo. 55-year-old Sherry Ville says he kissed her on the cheek in 2017 when he came to her home near Rochester on a visit to inspect area flood damage. In response yesterday, a lawyer representing Governor Cuomo said, quote, During times of crisis, the governor has frequently sought to comfort New Yorkers with hugs and kisses. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe that explanation? Yeah. Uh, Will nine be the number that ousts the disgraced governor of New York, Cuomo? Yes, a ninth woman comes forward with the sexual harassment allegations, and she's got a picture. looks brutal. And now the Washington Post is joining the New York Post uh, and the Albany newspaper and examined this so-called VIP testing list for those closer to Cuomo getting tests and treatment as opposed to people dying in nursing homes. All this as his poll numbers have stopped dropping. What other evidence do we need, though? Number two. I don't know how anybody could honestly read the facts behind this bill and what the bill does. The Democrats act like we're taking something away because we just want to secure the drop boxes inside the polling locations. That is uh, Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia. Republicans finally begin to fight back and define what their voting reform would and would not do in Georgia beginning Monday. Will it be enough as Dems overreach with their Jim Crow rhetoric? Number one. We just announced an envoy as well uh, to the region, which shows our focus and emphasis on addressing the root causes. And of course, the vice president of the United States will be uh, helping lead that effort, specifically the root causes, not the border. There's some confusion over that. Yeah, there's some confusion because she said she was taking care of it. The vice president. Where is she? Biden's border crisis. Biden hands off the mission to fix the border to VP Harris, and she does almost nothing while making it clear she won't be focusing on the border itself, just the countries where the people are coming from. Thanks. Big help. Meanwhile, despite the conversion of dozens of facilities, the number of illegals we warehouse is still too big for us to handle. We just converted Fort Bliss, San Diego Convention Center. Uh, We just, uh, of course, we had the Donna, Texas facility that's overwhelmed, the K. Billy Hutchinson building uh, convention center, which is overwhelmed over in Dallas. So don't worry. We'll just keep on converting and paying and getting hotels for all illegals from other countries to come here because we have a big heart. No, we're stupid. We don't have this. You know how many homeless people we have in this country? I think 400,000 homeless people in this country. Do you care about them or do you care about other people's illegal immigrants coming into our border illegally? 
And for for the Biden administration to think they're going to pass their agenda and move forward with their next steps and ignore this, you're crazy because the country is paying attention. He's got a 42 percent approval rating when it comes to this. He's at 60 percent with the pandemic. You got 5,746 CBP uh, at, at Custom Border Patrol. I'm talking about unaccompanied minors. You have 396 who were transferred out yesterday. Where? Who are these people with their names on the wrist? Where are their names? How do you become eligible to sponsor a child from another country who you evidently are related to? Children in um, in custody overall uh, with HHS, almost 12,000, 248 were discharged. Get this. Teachers in San Diego, where they only have a hybrid option, I don't even think they have an in-person option, are being asked to go into the San Diego Convention Center and teach these kids English and basic fundamentals and uh, and some type of psychological adjustment to our country. Wait, you won't go to the classroom in San Diego, but you'll go to the convention center with kids who haven't even been tested for the coronavirus. I don't need to say anymore. Here's Jen Psaki on Kamala Harris. Wasn't she given this portfolio to work like Joe Biden was given to giving it to him under Barack Obama? Cut three. We just announced an envoy as well uh, to the region, which shows our focus and emphasis on addressing the root causes. And, of course, the vice president of the United States will be uh, helping lead that effort, specifically the root causes, not the border. There's some confusion over that. Right. Some confusion from you, because I guess she didn't want to go to the border because it's too humiliating because she wanted to take the wall down. Number two, I think that if you see what's happening with those countries, you see they're impoverished. There's not much option. The only thing you could say is uh, Vice President Biden was talking the other day when he was vice president. Now he's president, obviously. He came out and said, you know, I came down and met with the president, and I found out that the streets were very dark, and there was a lot of gang members. So we put lights on the streets. We bypassed the government. We just did it. And then Kate Benningfield, the spokesperson for the White House, came out yesterday and said uh, on Sunday shows and said, well, you know what we're going to do? We are going to look to get more boys' clubs down there. Yeah, if we can get more boys' clubs, our board will be fine. We can even take down this whole barrier wall that we put together. Cut for. I don't have an update on her travel, but since you gave me the opportunity, it's important to understand and know that she is focused on addressing root causes in the region. And so travel, I would expect, would be there, uh, the border, and, uh, and, and expediting processing at the border, opening shelters, ensuring we're moving kids out of border patrol facilities. That is really under the purview of the Department of Homeland Security and HHS. And yeah. they all work together, but uh, the vice president's focus is on the region, root causes, and engaging with governments. No directly. interest to go to the border. Take your time over the weekend. We know you're still unpacking. Got to stay at the Blair House while they fix your other government-sponsored house. I've never seen such a lack of work ethic. What does she do? Gives really rudimentary uh, interviews. Nothing's ever telling or interesting. She laughs at all the wrong times. I And I know they don't. I've got multiple reports that she does not get along with the president. So this is crazy. Now, there's another school of thought that I'm having, and that is that the Biden administration likes this. Not so much their future voters, but they want to jam a lot of stuff under the wire into these bills. They're about to put together another infrastructure bill, about $4 trillion. While they're constructing it and putting it forward, they're trying to figure out the parliamentarians going to allow them to do it again. One, they're supposed to get one a year, and they just got it. They're trying to find out again if they could jam $4 trillion on a pure party, $4 trillion on a pure party line basis down our throats again. So... Maybe they like the fact that we're distracted. 
Maybe they maybe they're not really upset about it. What Joe Biden is upset about is the coronavirus because they are because cases are ticking up. Uh, they've gone up about 19 uh, percent around the country over the last two weeks, over the last week. We also know deaths are down, hospitalizations down. We know for 17 days without a mask mandate, numbers have gone down in Texas. With a mask mandate, of course, with 11 o'clock curfew, with 50 percent occupancy on, uh, uh, on restaurants, with no Broadway, New York's numbers are going up again. So this CDC director is scaring me. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, a year later. As if we just got hit with this. She is panicking. Listen, cut 23. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script. And I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to. So much promise and potential of where we are. And so much reason for hope. But right now, I'm scared. You're scared. You know, if Joe Biden was scared, um, he's not really scared. But he says, I want to capitalize on what the CDC director said. Cut 24. We share the sentiment of Dr. Walensky, the head of the Center for Disease Control and, and Prevention. The CDC expressed earlier today, this is not a time to lessen our efforts. That's what she said. We could still see a setback in the vaccination program. And most importantly, if we let our guard down now, we could see a virus getting worse, not better. We're not locking down again. We're not going to stop going out to eat. We're going to start going to games. We're getting vaccines. If you want to educate people and urge people to get vaccines, go ahead. But don't tell me you care about the coronavirus. Don't tell me you're worried about another wave coming through. Don't worry. Tell me you want me to wear two masks, even though I'm hanging out with vaccinated people. At the same time, you have these uh, thousands of illegal immigrants stream into our country, many of which are infected, most of which aren't tested, but you're worried about who's wearing a mask in Mississippi. You can't have it both ways. I refuse to accept it both ways. one 408 7669 Are you getting worried about a fourth wave? I am not. Uh, when it comes to number nine and Governor Cuomo, how much of a threshold do his supporters need before they cut bait? He already lost both Democratic senators from the state. Uh, a lot of Democratic lawmakers, what more? And what does it say that New Yorkers haven't cut bait with him yet? He still have most people want him to finish out his term. one 408 7669 You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in 
Blue Collar Trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Our work is far from over. The war against COVID-19 is far from won. This is deadly serious. I'm reiterating my call for every governor, mayor, and local leader to maintain and reinstate the mask mandate. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mandate if you let it down. With cases rising again, New variants are spreading, and sadly, some of the reckless behavior we've seen on television over the past few weeks means that more new cases are to come in the weeks ahead. Well, we'll see about that. I know cases are up in Florida, but in order down, deaths and hospitalizations. Uh, younger people are getting it and beating it, and that's what's happening. They, they, you can't keep people locked up forever. Tired of wearing masks everywhere, especially in gyms and what have you. Uh, we're fed up with it. We know how to do it. We know what's going on. We're getting the vaccine. We're moving forward. Uh, we also see the duplicity in what you guys are doing, especially at the border. Rachel is on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm honored to be here. No problem. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really worried about anything. To be honest, I actually am a resident of Jacksonville, Florida, and um, I think Florida is living proof. You have people flocking here to live here, to come to school here. Um, our schools are open. My daughter goes to school. Um, she actually in Clay County doesn't have to wear a mask if she's in third grade and under. Um, and I think it's living proof. Florida is living proof that life is getting back to normal. And people are actually craving that. You can't keep people locked up forever. Yeah, I mean, he said, well, come on, put, uh, put your mask back on and put the mask mandate. But for the most part, people, if, they, if there's a sign on the door, you guys put a mask on, right? If you go into the Publix, you're going to put a mask on because it says you need a mask. Okay. So I'll carry it with yeah. me. And you're out in the open field. You're going for a run. You're going to the gym. You don't need a mask. And they and now we have us in New York or in the Northeast that we have to wipe down all the machines when you go to work out. Why? We know you can't get it from surfaces. Even though they told us that was the number one place, we also know that's not true. No, I honestly agree with you 100%. And I mean, I even sometimes don't even opt to wear it. They'll ask us when we walk into a Walmart and people don't really say anything because honestly, I feel like, I mean, I'm young, I'm in my 30s and I, I've gotten tested for it. I don't have it because my work, I haven't had it since it, 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 you know, the whole thing last year came out. So I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, there are several vaccination sites here in Jacksonville, Florida, St. John's County, Clay County. So if you really have an issue, there are shop from home options. You know, you can stay home if you want to still. You have at least the option. And if you don't want to, you have the option to actually be a free American and go out in the open. So how do you feel about mandatory vaccines, vaccine passports? You want to go fly? You want to go to a game? You got a vaccine. I don't really agree with it personally. Um, I think that's taking away from the right of an American. I don't think that I should have to subject myself to getting a vaccine, especially when the other vaccines we've come out with and have had for years upon years, like measles, mumps, chicken pox, those are options. I think this should be an option as well, and I don't need to subject myself to getting something mandatorily. Rachel, I think that takes away from a right as an American. I hear you, and I think you echo your governor, too. Dr. Mike uh, Osterholm, thanks for the call uh, on CBS on the prospect of vaccine passports. Cut 29.
We're going to do something. The world is going to do something. People do want to know. If you're going to get on a plane, if you're going to go into a restaurant, if you're going to go into a public place, do I feel confident that the person sitting next to me is not likely infected with the virus? And so whether the governments want them or not, I am convinced that you're going to see them uh, eventually be part of our everyday lives. So now what we need to do is figure out how to do it in safely, fairly, and effectively as we can. And so I think that the administration is doing a good job of at least laying out criteria for private sector companies. Remember, when I go to the airport today to get on a plane, if I do do that, I get my eyeball screened by a private company that determines that I'm the one that is actually there to get on that plane. And I think you're going to see more private companies getting involved uh, with the guidance of government, but I don't see government itself doing the passports. Yeah, right now, mass mandates are in Texas, North Dakota, Mississippi are lifted. In Texas, North Dakota, Mississippi, Montana, Iowa, and other states relax their uh, mass mandates. But they're really not the problem. There's almost no correlation between mask mandates and the rise in numbers. But the numbers are up, I think, you know, you get 60,000 a day now. They feel that that's plateauing a little bit high. But the question is, are we getting better at treating it? Yes. Are the vaccines working? Yes. 30% of the country has been vaccinated. 15% uh, already had uh, two shots. So that's good. We'll see what happens with that and the vaccine and the panic. We get it. But most people are saying if you're worried about the border and you're worried about the you're worried about the coronavirus. You have a funny way of showing it. You don't show up at the border. And when people show up at the border, we don't know anything about them. But a lot of them getting in without even a coronavirus test. And many that are tested come out positive. How could you be watching our back and that not be, and that be the case? Exactly, exactly what I'm thinking. How could that be? So Reverend, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida was asked about vaccine passports, maybe to get into Disney, maybe get into the magic game, maybe uh, who knows. Get into uh, Orlando FC of the MLS. Cut 28. It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you uh, the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in normal society. You want the fox to guard the hen house? I mean, give me a break. I think this is something that has huge privacy implications. It is not necessary to do. I mean, think about what the Democrats have been able to do now. Now we are talking about getting into your privacy when it comes to health care. Now we now we see the massive spending bill and what it did for Obamacare, paying off pensions in blue states. And then you have uh, the school system and then you have free. They're trying to get free uh, community college now and free uh, universal pre-K. This has been for Democrats. The pandemic, as horrific as it's been politically for them, it's been a it's been a boon. Cut 27. Here's Molly Hemingway. She weighed in on that same concept. Joe Biden said there that it's not political. But the fact is that this deadly virus has been the greatest political gift to the Democratic Party since the Great Depression. And they are wanting it to continue so that they can exploit it for their political and partisan ends of greatly expanding the size and scope of the federal government and having control over people's lives. And so what I think they don't quite recognize, though, is that so many Americans are beyond done with this. They understand the science. They understand the reality of, of that this is a deadly virus, but that the reaction to it has to have at some point an end. Yeah, in percentages, we're like the U.K. and above, past it. Uh, China says they've expunged it. They just probably throw out people that they just uh, that have tested positive because it makes them look bad. 
Uh, and we still don't know how the origins of this virus have. The WHO put out a report. Nobody believes it. They were highly limited in their access to the lab. So we still don't have a cause for it. Uh, we come back, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West on Texas, the border, the mass mandate, as well as with a place that he used to have a congressional seat in, Florida. Why they seem to have it, or they got it, down. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So I haven't I haven't drilled down on uh, this distinction that you're making. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Democrats have been driving this message on H.R. 1. And I think we ought to be asking our Democratic colleagues, why are they so insistent that we not have any mechanism to verify that a person seeking to vote is, in fact, the person that they say they are? Why are they so insistent that people ought to be able to go ballot harvesting, maybe go through a nursing home and get a couple of hundred ballots that just happen to be uh, what, whatever they are? I, I mean... The, there is a completely false narrative about so-called voter suppression. I was so glad to see Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania push back on Chuck Todd, who just assumed the Georgia new law uh, that they're put into place is just going to stop black people from voting. And if you, pu- if you don't push, uh, push back against it, you're supporting racism. That's why they're pressuring Coca-Cola, Affleck, Delta, Home Depot. Southern Company, UPS, have now all been feeling the pressure, Major League Baseball, to pull their all-star game out, to, uh, to pull all things out or condemn the Georgia voting law. It will limit time to request absentee ballots. Ballot drop boxes at locations are now mandatory. Replaces the Secretary of State as Election Board Chair with an appointee. Allows the Election Board to replace election officials who are underperforming and reduces runoff election time. What is wrong with that? Bars outside groups from handing out food or water. What is wrong with that? The precinct should. I don't want you voting for me because I gave you a Coke and a Budweiser or Evian. That's just a normal law. But the Republicans have made no effort to push back on that. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, he helped try, try, did his best to get at least one of those Senate seats for Republicans. Life would have been a lot better if they had they won him. He's chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. Colonel, they're trying to make this Georgia law so uh, so horrendous, they have to throw out the filibuster and pass H.R. 1. Will they be successful? Well, even if they do throw out, and it's good to be with you, Brian, even if they do throw out that filibuster and pass H.R. 1, our states are the repository of executing elections. The, the federal government has no business coming in and trying to nationalize or federalize elections, making laws that say that we cannot have any voter ID at the state level. We cannot have any uh, reviews of voter registration rolls. This is the Democrats trying to consolidate power, have a one-party control. And they know that what they did in the last election cycle, there were countless amounts of unconstitutional actions that were done. And our states have the enumerated power to be able able to rectify that and uh, have good command and control of their election processes, procedures, and systems. And so what the, the, the Democrats are looking at doing is completely undermining the democracy of the United States of America. And this fallback on this, you know, is Jim Crow to, to ask for election integrity, which is our number one priority here in the state of Texas is election integrity. And the head of the Republican Party of Texas, you know, I'm just a regular old guy from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a black guy. This has nothing to do with Jim Crow. And anyhow, Jim Crow was started by Democrats as a policy back at the turn of the 20th century. So 
they know that they're about to, you know, be caught in what they did in November 2020, and more states are going to implement election integrity laws to prevent them from doing what they did in November 2020. So in Georgia, they have a different uh, law. They're going to require photo ID for absentee ballots. Uh, they are going mm-hmm. to. Uh, they're going to do that, too, and they're going to, if you don't have a driver's license, picture ID, then they want you to write down your state code or your Social Security code. Why is that racist? I don't understand it. Congressman Byron Donalds, who is African-American from Florida, cut 12. The Democrats are race baiting. They are wrong. Look, I've reviewed the Georgia law myself. What Georgia's doing is the absolute right thing. I know the president's running around trying to tell people that you can't give somebody a cup of water, but that's not what Georgia law says. What Georgia law says is that you can't give people something of value when they're in lines getting ready to vote because, you know, we don't want to buy off votes in America. That's like a sound uh, concept. That's what we should be doing. They're trying to race bait because they know they got the argument wrong and they don't have a leg to stand on, so they got to use race. And they are. Jim Crow this, Jim Crow that. Uh, we're hearing it nonstop. Yeah. And they're using Georgia as a foil. There's about 34 states that have tightened up their elections. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that whole Jim Crow line is not going to work because, again, Jim Crowism was something that they created uh, as a Democrat Party. But think about this. I mean, they're trying to pressure businesses and corporations to stand against uh, uh, the, the Georgia election law. And, and they're going after Delta, who, of course, who is headquartered in Atlanta to, to uh, make complaints against it. But can you get on a Delta airline flight nope. without a picture ID? Nope. So, so I mean, so then by their declaration, the Delta is a Jim Crow uh, corporation. Where, where can you really go and do anything without a picture ID? So all of these places that want picture ID, they're racist. They're, they're Jim Crow. And, and see, that's where I wish Republicans would find their courage to stand up and push back against the left. Because if we don't take over the narrative, we don't, you know, you know, show the same amount of constant pressure, their delusional tenacity will destroy this constitutional republic. And here's what Brian Kemp finally speaking up. He passes this thing, doesn't talk to anybody about it. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp, cut 11. I mean, look, it's just a talking point. I don't know how anybody could honestly read the facts behind this bill and what the bill does. It's providing more access with weekend voting. It's securing drop boxes that never were allowed in elections in Georgia before this year, and that was only done through an emergency order. So it codifies that in the law. The Democrats act like we're taking something away because we just want to secure the drop boxes inside the polling locations. So they're beginning to explain it, but he needs an offense. He needs an offense. Yeah. Anywhere, anytime, anywhere we'll debate this. Yeah, absolutely so. And, you know, you think about the example here in Texas when Harris County, which is the largest county in Texas, uh, you had the uh, county clerk there, Chris Hollins, who just happened to be the treasurer of the Texas Democrat Party. He violated Texas election law and expanded this thing called curbside voting. He opened up nine different curbside voting locations, all in Democrat precincts across Harris County. So it's those type of things. That's a violation of our election law. That's what we're trying to tighten up to make sure it doesn't happen. So you can have these drop boxes, but the ballot drop box will not be somewhere in in some indiscriminate location that's picked by some Democrat official. The drop box will be right at that polling location, which is predetermined. So if you don't want to stand in line, bring your ballot, put it in that drop box right there. And that reduces the amount of nefarious activities that could happen with these uh, boxes being all over the place and ballot harvesting and things of that nature. All right, let's talk about what's happening at the border. Uh, We're looking at numbers Mm -hmm. that are stunning. 12.5 
12,000 children at HSS. Uh, CBP has 5,767. They've already let out 248 yesterday and uh, from HHS and 396 uh, from uh, CBP. So this is no end in sight. They keep opening up different forts, different convention centers, but they have no interest in stopping the flow. Are they inept or do they want this? No, this is intentional. This is purposeful. And and think about what we just talked about with H.R. 1 and this illegal immigration flood that we see coming into Texas. If the, the left is saying that you don't have to have any voter ID anymore, if they're saying you're not going to be able to review voter registration rolls, basically you can have same-day uh, voter registration and voting. This is combined with the fact that they're flooding this country with illegals because they're going to have them voting. And especially here in Texas, they want to be able to flip it and undermine Texas. And then also with the census population count, which they are delaying, uh, which affects the redistricting coming up. So here in in Dallas, uh, where I live, we have seen 3,000 illegal immigrant males. These are not kids. These are, you know, probably 18, 19, maybe even 20 years of age. They are being released out into our our, uh, communities. Now, COVID testing? Well, we don't know. But all of a sudden, no one is tracking them. And no one is giving them any notifications to come back for any asylum hearing or whatever. So this is an open borders policy that's been implemented by executive order by the Biden administration. It's unconstitutional. And no one wants to take charge of this situation. They're playing hot potato up there in the Biden administration. Who's on first? Who's on second? Kamala Harris is in charge. No, I'm not in charge. Biden, I'm not in charge. Who is in charge? We got a liar for a DHS uh, secretary. This is a serious situation. It is chaotic. It is a crisis. They don't want to own it, but they created it. They did. Uh, Julio Rosas is a reporter, senior writer at Town Hall, and he's talking about the apprehensions. You know, they get 9,000 a day. 9,000. Cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this one area of uh, La Jolla, Texas, about 20 minutes uh, from where I am right now, uh, there was the border wall system that was being built under President Trump. That was being built in that area in La Jolla. Uh, but obviously it has since been stopped because the Biden administration has put that to a pause. And so that's why in that specific area, there's just miles of open space. And because there's no border wall system, because there's no barrier, it is very easy for family units, for unaccompanied minors and small children uh, just cross uh, over there day in and day out. And uh, that's why it's very easy for small ch- you know, mothers carrying small children to cross just simply because there's no barrier there. Are you aware of this, uh, Colonel? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was I was in Laredo this past weekend, and so I'm standing there on the Rio Grande Valley. I'm, I mean, the Rio, Rio Grande River, and you're looking right across there into Nuevo Laredo, and you can see the scouts that are over there looking uh, to see what's happening on the other side as far as law enforcement. And as the sun starts to go down, you can see people gathering on the other side, waiting to uh, find that opportune moment to, to wade across the uh, the Rio Grande and come into uh, Laredo, and then they disperse. And there is not enough individuals, Border Patrol, law enforcement, whatever, to uh, to stem this flow. But what do they do? They go to the Border Patrol agents. They go to law enforcement. They want to be, you know, uh, detained because they know they're going to be released. And that's exactly what this Biden administration has done. So what they need to do is get rid of their hubris, go back to the policies of President Trump. They were working. Even the president of Mexico said that President Trump's policies were working. So that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, don't hold your breath, uh, Colonel, but it's going to help. Keep, I won't. It's going to keep Texas red because they'll see what incompetence is and, and how little they care about your communities. Looking well, and Henry mm-hmm. Cuellar has to be the uh, this the the pinnacle of of a truth teller, 
and he's the one who put those first pictures up there. You know how desperate he is to get it right at the border. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thanks so much. My pleasure. All the best, Brian. All right. Giving us latest on everything in this country as well as Texas and Florida. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. A lot more to discuss, uh, including the Georgia election law that we just discussed. But also, what's it going to take to get Cuomo out? A ninth accuser and now more stories about a VIP list when it comes to the coronavirus care. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. When you look at your data now and you think, okay, had we mitigated earlier, had we actually paused earlier and actually done it, how much of an impact do you think that would have made? Well, I look at it this way. The first time we have an excuse, there were about 100,000 deaths that came from that original surge. All of the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially. The decision we made on January the 10th to go all out and develop a vaccine may have been the best decision that I've ever made. I'll tell you what, I, I was never been impressed with Anthony Fauci ever and Dr. Burks uh, very little. In fact, she was on contradicting herself left and right. Now they go on CNN and suddenly just take shots at the president. Nobody listened to the president wasn't listening to me. The president came out point by point, took them out today. And but what's sad is every other station now can focus on Donald Trump again. Uh, But these guys coming out, going on CNN, talking about this ongoing pandemic we're still in the middle of or we're at the tail end of, I have almost zero respect for, especially as she goes to her summer house telling everybody else not to travel uh, for the last holiday. So let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, Trump is, uh, there's rumors he was going to do it. Now it looks like it's all set. Trump launches 45 office website amid speculation about his future. uh, President and Mrs. Trump are continuing to strengthen uh, their enduring spirit with the American people by launching this, they say. Trump's representative said the website will allow individuals to submit correspondence, schedule requests, and press inquiries for President and Mrs. Trump. The president will continue to, to, to uh, look into find out what the American people are thinking about. Trump has been an outspoken unspoken on current events since his exit from the White House in January. In fact, he might even go down to the border. Trump, it's called 45 Office. Next. My idol, Sylvester Stallone, reveals... He's working on a pitch for a Rocky prequel. Stallone posted a photo alongside the caption, I started out this morning by writing a treatment for a Rocky prequel for streaming, ideally 10 episodes for a few seasons to really get to the heart of the characters in their younger years. He also included pictures of two handwritten pages titled Treatment for Rocky Prequel Series. Would you guys watch that? 
I probably end up would because my husband would. But I'm sure you'd be watching it as soon as it dropped, right? I'm, I'll help write it. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> I'll be a reporter in this one because my goal is to be a reporter in one of the Rockies. Imagine a time machine that will simply transport us back to the origins of Rocky, Stallone says. The Rambo star continued his treatment by writing that the potential show would take viewers to the most transformative generation in modern history, the 60s, which is fine. By the way, if he wants to do it, you know they're going to do it. He's going to get a deal. If he's behind it, absolutely. What would you want to see in it? What would you... I mean, like to see, was he rough and tumble? What was his parents like? We have no idea what his parents like. Was he a great fighter back then? Was he slow in school? Um, I'm not really interested in Adrian. Seems very boring. Maybe she worked at a pet shop. I can't see that being exciting. Um, so I think that, you know, there's a lot there. We don't know. And then you could bring in uh, Apollo and Mick when he was in his younger years, 30s. What was he like? All right, let's find out if there's even more to know. Um, President Xi hoped to make China a global leader in soccer, his favorite sport. After years of massive government support, the dream has fallen short, according to Axios. It's true. In 2015, my biggest hope for Chinese soccer is that a team becomes the world's best. He announced his spurred, it, 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 the announcement spurred a raft of new government initiatives to boost Chinese soccer. And the Chinese Super League got a massive influx of funding. China also began naturalizing foreign players whose talent might help strengthen the men's national team. That's cheating, by the way. Uh, I'm, not technically, but it is. Uh, a $1.7 billion Lotus Stadium. Uh, in one of these provinces, would be the centerpiece of the 2030 World Cup should China be chosen as host. They better not be chosen as host. And by the way, it fell flat, but our own Tom Beyer, who's from America, went to Japan, revitalized their soccer, then took a huge cash payment, I think, right into the tsunami and went to China and started working with their youth. Oh, wow. So they are really trying, but they haven't. So... Like, where do the um, Chinese fall in soccer worldwide? Oh, they're nowhere. Nowhere. Not they're even. nowhere. And I'm very, you know, I don't ever hear anything about the Chinese Super League. Just, for example, like, in the, the best league in the world is the one in England, but not many British play in it. Mm-hmm. So it's just got tradition on the side. Uh, next. Uh, big answers from Mars. A study published this month suggests much of Mar- Mars' water may have been absorbed into the ground, not lost in space. This is really going to help us. NASA is scratching the surface of that big question. Rovers have found Mars is scattered with layered, rock, layered rocks. Scientists' best guess is that these layers form through erosion, wind, water, and ice. So we don't know. Did someone abandon that planet? Are we going to find out? Did they leave stuff and luggage behind? Yeah, I don't think it would be like that, but they might find other things, right? If they dig down with the rover there to see, could there be water way under the surface? Um, that's possible. Know. And last... We can't play the sound because I don't think we have the time. But March 30th, 1981, President Ronald Reagan was shot. 40 years ago today. Yep, uh, in the Washington, D.C. Hotel by John W. Hinckley Jr., who was wounded. Uh, uh, also wounded were, of course, James Brady. We later would get the gun the gun safety Brady Bill. Uh, Timmy McCarthy and the District of Columbia Police Officer Thomas Delante. So that is, the, that is your way of learning about more. And I just gave you a lot more than you ever thought you'd get. Besides the big three, you don't have to thank me. You just have to keep on listening. Go to BrianKillMe.com. Decide if you want Thomas Jefferson Tripoli Pirates or Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, or Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, or George Washington's Secret Six. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Yes, I'm here to receive you. Uh, That is uh, the story, and that is the goal of the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We appreciate you being here. And I got a great roster of guests. Dr. Marty Macario will be here. Does he agree with the current CDC director? They were about to get hit with a fourth wave, pleading with us almost in tears that we should pay attention to mask mandates again. And Barney and company will do a simulcast. You'll see what I look like on television, which is a thrill. As If you don't get Fox Nation, uh, you see me on Fox Nation every day. And Ben Dominich is going to be joining us right uh, as soon as I'm done with the big three. And remember, you can always subscribe to the show by going to BrianKillMeShow.com. You get the podcast or listen live. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Another woman has come forward with allegations against Governor Cuomo. 55-year-old Sherry Ville says he kissed her on the cheek in 2017 when he came to her home near Rochester on a visit to inspect area flood damage. In response yesterday, a lawyer representing Governor Cuomo said, quote, During times of crisis, the governor has frequently sought to comfort New Yorkers with hugs and kisses. Is that your explanation? I think I need a new lawyer. Will be will 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 nine be the number that ousts disgraced Governor Governor Cuomo? Yes, a ninth woman comes forward with the sexual harassment allegation that she has a picture, and I saw it too. You have all seen it. Now in the Washington Post is joining the New York Post and examined the so-called VIP testing list for those closer to Cuomo getting tests and treatment as opposed to seniors who are most susceptible in nursing homes. When will this stop? When will the investigations truly begin? Number two. I don't know how anybody could honestly read the facts behind this bill and what the bill does. The Democrats act like we're taking something away because we just want to secure the drop boxes inside the polling locations. Yeah, that is uh, Governor Brian Kemp beginning to explain his uh, Georgia voting revamp. Republicans begin to fight back and define what their voting reform would and would not do beginning Monday. Will they understand that they have to continue to communicate that as the Dems overreach with their Jim Crow rhetoric? Number one. We just announced an envoy as well uh, to the region, which shows our focus and emphasis on addressing the root causes. And of course, the vice president of the United States will be uh, helping lead that effort, specifically the root causes, not the border. There's some confusion over that. Now, there's no confusion. You've changed after you made the announcement, the Biden border battle and the crisis. President Biden hands off the mission to fix the border to the VP. Harris, and she does almost nothing while making it clear she won't be focusing on the border itself, just the countries where the people are coming from. Meanwhile, despite the conversion of dozens of facilities, the numbers of illegals we warehouse is still too big to handle. Trying to make make sense of it is the man who behind the Ben Dominich podcast, Ben Dominich himself, now a Fox News contributor. Hey, Ben. Hey, Brian. It's great to be with you. Well, uh, a couple of things are going on right now. What do you think the truth is behind Vice President Harris saying, I'm only going to go to the genesis of the crisis, the root problem. I'm not going to the border. Joe Biden didn't say that when he was tasked with this. And you know what? Vice President Pence didn't say that when he was tasked with the coronavirus uh, offensive, uh, you know, the task force he put together. If uh, uh, Kamala Harris wants to go to the root problem uh, that is creating this crisis, then she can walk over to the Oval Office because that's where this is coming from. Absolutely. Uh, the reality the reality is that this is a policy decision 
uh, on the part of the Biden administration that had an immediate and completely predictable effect uh, in terms of the way that it would. It, and this is uh, this is the thing that frustrates me so much about immigration policy, uh, Brian, in so many areas. People in Washington act as if uh, migrants and people in South America and Central America and in Mexico don't have access to the Internet. <laughs> like they, they can't see what they're saying. They can't see what's being uh, declared. And so when Joe Biden says, you know, we're not going to deport anybody in the first 100 days, that, there, that has a ramification. It has an immediate response. And that's what has, uh, you know, not just accelerated this, but there's a number of other factors here that are going into it. And of course, that includes, you know, the, the different uh, ramifications of, of hurricanes and, and, uh, and natural disasters and the like. But it also is being uh, accelerated by a cartel war that has been playing out in recent months uh, on the other side of the border. And, you know, those cartels need to fund that war. And a great way to fund it, a, a really easy way to fund it, is to take money from the, the Central American migrants uh, who are, you know, in many cases giving up their entire life savings uh, in order to try to make it to America. And in some cases, they're also essentially entering indentured servitude, where they're going to have to pay the cartel back uh, once they get on the other side. Otherwise, uh, their family members who are still at home could suffer consequences. And so this is a situation where, you know, the Biden administration has enabled this type of human trafficking. They've accelerated it through their policies. Uh, and they, you know, are completely unwilling to reconsider those policies. So instead, they're just trying to do some window dressing around it and suggest, oh, well, we're going to you know, address the root causes. And, and frankly, it reminds me of the idea that you're going to you know, address the root causes of ISIS by making sure that people get jobs. It's just not something that, is, that should be taken seriously by anybody. Well, you know what's as serious is we're supposed to take the Joe Biden story about when the vice president asked him to leave Turkey and go to Central America because of the migration crisis. And he came up with that idea to put lights on corners to stop gangs from coming. And he acted like that changed the world, only to be supplanted by Kate Benningfield over the weekend saying uh, – that we're going to get more boys clubs in these uh, triangle countries. So those <laughs> between the boys clubs and the light bulbs, I think we really got a handle on this. I mean, this is like this is not a situation where you're trying to fix, you know, a neighborhood park that has some vagrants hanging out in it. I mean, this is not taking anything seriously to the level that they ought to. And this is this is a risk in terms of not just you know, uh, uh, our security in terms of uh, having control of the border, which obviously, as I've told you before, Brian, you know, the cartels have a lot more control of the border on their side uh, than America does on, on our side of it. Uh, it's, it's also something that is a health risk at, at moment in which, you know, the CDC director and is sounding, you know, this this uh, note of impending doom and and uh, Joe Biden is, is, you know, railing at Americans for uh, Neanderthal thinking and reopening too early. They're letting people who are testing positive, you know, just go out into the, the broader public, people who are coming here illegally. And the only reason that we know that they're testing positive is not because of the government testing them. It's because of nonprofits in the area who are who are helping them because they're sick and need help. Uh, and, and they're saying, yeah, they, these people are positive. We don't even have a handle on how many people are positive who are coming across. Uh, and the, the overall reaction, the thing that the Biden administration thinks is the most important in this moment is to say, yeah, you can't go see any of this. We, we're just going to have a blackout. We're not going to talk to anybody. 
CBP is being, you know, less responsive than they've ever been uh, in terms of giving us any kind of information. Right. You know, our own uh, journalists at the Federalist are currently looking into the situation with the, the very sad, tragic situation with the nine-year-old girl who uh, who died while attempting to cross. Uh, and the, it's just total lockdown. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to talk about it. And, you know, look, under the Trump administration, the simple fact is that the entire media would be clamoring yep. uh, for uh, how terrible this was and, and how much they deserved to have access in order to see what's going on. Uh, instead, there's barely a peep from the media because, remember, they, uh, because of the letter that comes after Joe Biden's name. Remember, Ben, how many times the president got sued for the Remain in Mexico policy that the Mexicans signed on for? And uh, put on, you know, we helped them out with the, the illegal immigrants that were settling in their area. And they also put 20,000 Marines on their southern border. And remember how many times they got sued for the wall. So can you imagine if they just said, OK, I lost the election and these guys had this policy and Mexico agreed. But no, groups, uh, these civil rights groups kept suing them. So it slowed everything down. But we were part of it. We heard about it. We saw the facilities. I was down there three times. One time I was with the Secretary of Defense, NHHS Secretary. I flew on his plane, and we met with different organizations, and he told me, here is the problem. The HHS Secretary was saying, here's the problem. Mr. Secretary of Defense, this is what we need. And I'm watching this play out. It's the exact opposite. They're saying, well, Trump had the same problem. Yeah, but he tried to fix it. And when things weren't working, he tried something else. There's no effort. Biden won't go. Vice President Kamala Harris was disappearing over the weekend. She's at Blair House complaining that she has to live out of a suitcase. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of these situations, Brian, where you really gain a perspective on how dangerous it is for the country to have a monopartisan uh, press class uh, in in Washington D.C., where basically, if Peter Ducey doesn't get called on, uh, then the level of difficulty in terms of Biden's questions, you know, is typically, you know, uh, which flavor of ice cream do you want today? I mean, it's just it's absurd. And at the same time, I think that even uh, even in these softball moments, you see the weakness and the frailty of our entire approach to this to these areas of policy. It's if again they. They just existed in this fantasy land where they would be able to come in, wave a wand, do everything that they wanted, uh, and not have to deal with any negative ramifications from it. Already in the early going, we're seeing this disrupt things. And I'll tell you this. There is a growing awareness and concern on the part of Democrats in Congress. You've seen some of the early signs of it uh, in terms of, of their you know, sort of softly expressed frustrations. They understand that this is not a good look for them and that people blame Democratic policies on what's going on here. Uh, and that's something that I think uh, is definitely of concern for a number of their politicians headed into the midterms. So the other thing I want to talk about is the, the pandemic. We know over the last two weeks, cases are going up 19 percent. Deaths are down 30 percent. Hospitalizations are down, too. Um, we have, you know, so there is a sense that the cases are going up, but so are the vaccines going up. And they're worried that there might be a fourth surge. But get it together. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, to me, totally overreacted yesterday. Listen to this. Cut 23. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script. And I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope. But right now, I'm scared. And then Joe Biden went on to say this, cut 24. We share the sentiment of Dr. Walensky, the head of the Center for Disease Control and, and Prevention. The CDC expressed earlier today 
This is not a time to lessen our efforts. And he wants to undo the, ma- the, the lifting of the mass mandate in Texas, North Dakota, Mississippi, Montana, Iowa, and some other states. Forget it. Don't tell me you're serious about it. I have to wear two masks and have five people over for a cookout on the 4th of July with no fireworks. At the same time, you're letting millions, tens of thousands flow in unchecked, and we're letting them into the country without even registering them and giving them a court date. He can't have it both ways, Ben. You know, Brian, you may be familiar with the, the concept of Irish democracy, which is when people just kind of ignore what the government is telling them to do as an expression of it's, it's, you know, it's not really an act of open rebellion. It's just they're living their lives. Guess what? You know, just a stone's throw from the White House when at the same time that Joe Biden is saying these kinds of things right across the river in Virginia, you have people gathering openly uh, you know, playing together, you know, the kids, you know, at the park and, and everyone, you know, sort of sitting down together at restaurants, you know, very few limits on anything, uh, you know, the same in Maryland. Uh, and, uh, and you know, at the same time, you have people like Dr. Fauci coming out and pronouncing that, you know, kids need to wear masks when they play together. And, and as you saw, you know, Joe Biden, you know, saying the other day, you know, about the, about the 4th of July gatherings. I mean, look, that, that onion headline was pretty appropriate, you know, that people, Biden says that people can gather on July 4th the way they did it, uh, the way they did at Christmas. You know, and it's just one of these things where I think that unfortunately, we have a leadership class that for whatever reason is choosing to double down on the idea that this crisis, uh, that this uh, crisis around the pandemic is continuing unabated, even though we see all these signs in places like Texas where they reopen, they get uh, decried as being Neanderthals, uh, and then the cases go down, the deaths go down, et cetera. And I think that while we should be concerned about things and we should still take this seriously, we shouldn't allow Democratic politicians, uh, whether they whether they are Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, who I think acts confuses himself sometimes with the president uh, or the president himself, uh, to send us in this direction of of crisis, of permanent crisis, because that's just not accurate. It's not the case anymore. We have so many things to look forward to, and we have so many things to be hopeful about. Uh, and I think that unfortunately, uh, they are using they're trying to extend this crisis as long as possible in the minds of the American people in order to advance a lot of different things that have nothing to do with it, including, you know, an infrastructure bill that has nothing to do with COVID relief. All across the country today, there are blue state uh, officials, you know, governors and the like, who are flush with cash now, and they're going to spend it on a bunch of things that have nothing to do with COVID at, at all. And that, to, uh, to me, is an indication of where their priorities have really been over the past couple of months. Yeah, money that's not theirs that they're going to ask the next generation to pay for, uh, just hand them the invoice. Uh, by the way, we got to go, but uh, on that very note, Senator Markey has a $10 trillion green energy plan he wants passed. $10 trillion. <laughs> Do you believe this? We must just forget about our whole money system. Uh, go back to you just... know it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Right. And uh, and and I think that you know Brian, it's always a pleasure to join you. And thanks for plugging the podcast. We have Josh Hawley on uh, the on the latest edition that dropped yesterday. A conversation about populism and the future of the Republican Party. I hope people will check it out. And it was going to be great when you're a Fox News contributor now, but of course we don't see each other. Uh, soon we'll get a chance to see each other in the halls. You'll hang out in here, and then you'll fully feel you'll like feel like a full member of the Fox family. Looking forward to it, Brian. All right, go get him, Ben. one 408 And then Dr. Marty McCarry. So we have a lot going on. This is your window to get on board, and let's hear what you have to say. Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. one 408 7669 The CDC director yesterday. I'm not saying that we're out of the woods yet with the pandemic, but we are definitely on the back turn, the back, uh, the back straightaway. And we're ready to finish this thing off. We understand the risk, but we're going to live with it. So I let you hear Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Before I get to the phone calls, I want you to hear what Dr. Mark Siegel said. Cut 25. I bet she wishes she could have that back. Impending doom does not fit the current circumstances mm. with, almost, with over 3 million doses of vaccines per day going into people's arms. And these vaccines all cover the variants that are out there, all of them. That was just restudied again today. So if everybody gets vaccinated, then we're going to come out of this pandemic and we're going to come out of it over the summer. And the other point would be nobody's counting the people that have natural immunity from having gotten over COVID. And that's so the way I, I prefer think- to look at it. Those are the real numbers. Jay, listen to WTRC and Elkhart. Hey, Jay. Indiana. Yes, sir. Uh, I was just thinking that if the big D Democrats think that the Georgia voting law is back to the Jim Crow era, if I, as a citizen, leave the United States and want to reenter, I need a picture ID called a passport. Yep. Does that mean the federal government yes. is using Jim Crow laws and should be resigning for the racism? Absolutely. Jay, uh, if you ask for ID, that means you don't like minorities. William was on WTRC in South Bend as well. William. Oh, wow, Brian, the double whammy. South Bend borders Elkhart. So in any case, I cannot believe that they are taking teachers in to tutor these kids. Any American person that has a child that's gone through what they have in the last two years and the calendar years of their child in the, the education system and what they've gone through would have to be up in arms, totally appalled with this whole situation. Yeah, I am. Uh, Chris, WDBO. Chris. Uh, good, mor- good morning, Brian. Uh, I got one, two quick points. Um, obviously, uh, the Democrats have used the phrase, um, you know, my body, my choice for years. I think when it comes to the vaccine, ca- vaccine cards or anything to do with my body, it should clearly be my choice. And second, I'm curious if you think it's my interpretation based upon the Democrats' um, uh, usual actions that they may be resettling these immigrants into purple or slightly Republican areas. That way, if they pass H.R. or A.R. 1, then they could offset some voting. Do you think that's possibly happening? And are Uh, we tracking that? I'm not sure. And I think Tucker's going to do something tonight on this. I went to Brentwood, Long Island, and I saw a whole bunch of uh, it's a it's a working class section of Long Island, which normally is red. We'll see. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm going to pause here, I'm going to lose the script, and I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending view. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope, but right now I'm scared. That's the CDC directors, very scared. Uh, the numbers say the number of new cases jumped 11% over the past week to a seven-day average of 60,000. As I mentioned, that is up. But you know what is down? Uh, deaths are down 30% over the last two weeks. 
overall as a nation, you know, we're up. We're up. But should we be worried? 19% over the last two weeks, 11% over the last week. Joining me now is Dr. Marty McCarry, uh, Fox News contributor, surgeon, and a professor of health policy at uh, Johns Hopkins. Dr. McCarry, welcome back. Great to be with you, Brian. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see the CDC director get so emotional. This is a year later. I mean, why now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the sort of um, warning and sounded the, sounding the alarm we needed back in February of last year when the medical establishment was silent. Uh, I will say, Brian, it was kind of cool to see that finally she, she was not reading a script that yep. the White House you know, wrote for her. She's been reading scripts the entire time ever since uh, Jen Psaki smacked her down for speaking her mind on schools. But um, this kind of fear and impending doom, it's disproportionate. It's not representative with the data. And this idea that somehow we're going to pop back up to the death and hospitalization numbers that we had three months ago is entirely dishonest. You just can't get there because every other person in a room now is immune. Half the country's got circulating antibodies. The virus can't jump around like that. So we're going to see some increases as young people have got all their pent-up giddy that they're getting active now. But these cases are in young people, primarily. The biggest expanding group now is people aged 10 to 19. They're last in the vaccine line. People in their 20s are getting the infection. They're testing positive. But you know what? Most are asymptomatic or have a mild, mild infection. Why, why are they getting it? Well, there's a lot of uh, activity. So Google mobility data is showing that the folks are getting out there. They're living their lives. They, you know, they can't be penned up anymore. And I think some people are not being careful. Um, but when young people get it, it's a different pandemic, right? We're worried about deaths and hospitalizations. If you look at the UK, which is ahead of us in terms of vaccination rates, they have been averaging 62 deaths a day this week. That's in a country of 68 million. Uh, 62 deaths, they're doing pretty good. Deaths are down 95%. That's the trajectory that we're on right now. And I think it's probably better to be optimistic than scare everybody if you want them to behave better for the next four to, four to eight weeks. So we, if, you know, we have, uh, I think, what, 30, uh, 30% of the country has gotten one, vac- one shot and 16% has gotten uh, uh, 16% has gotten two shots. All right. I understand that. And it makes you wonder about this so-called vaccine passport. Ron DeSantis weighed in. He said, I'm not going to allow you to get into certain places because you have a vaccine. Cut 28. It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you uh, the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in normal society. You want the fox to guard the hen house? I mean, give me a break. I think this is something that has huge privacy implications. It is not necessary to do. What do you think about that? I mean, do you, do you want a passport? You, you want to urge, you're urging people to get a vaccine, but do you want a passport to get you into games, to get you into school? Well, I, I definitely don't want to see anything like this required as a condition of employment. That's a dangerous road. I will say, though, I have been advocating for people who are immune to go out there and live an entirely normal life. And for places that have public indoor sort of recreation and leisure activities, I've kind of suggested in the past, if we know you're immune, um, go ahead and pack people in there and and drop the masks. I mean, this may be the time to do it. One of the other issues with vaccine passports, Brian, by the way, 
is it's not just vaccines that make you immune, it's natural immunity. And about half the country may have that natural immunity. So what are you going to tell them? You've got natural immunity. You've chosen not to get the vaccine, but we don't accept your form of immunity. I mean, a study just came out of Denmark on natural immunity, and it's like 0.6, six tenths of 1% of people get reinfected. So 99.4% of people do not get the virus after they have had the infection. So when you uh, when you see what's going on in colleges, Rutgers is going to mandate you get the vaccine if you want to live on campus. Would you recommend, from what you know now, 18-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 12-year-olds get this vaccine? I don't like the idea of requiring it for college. I don't like the idea of requiring it for employment. I think if somebody chooses not to get this vaccine now, I respect that decision. We should all respect that decision. We're not going to have to have everybody get it. Natural immunity works. And I think what's interesting about Rutgers, just to show their true stripes here, they're not requiring the vaccine for their for their staff and their employees, oh. only for the kids, right? So what does that tell you about what they're, they're thinking? Now, that's a, that's a great point. But I, I guess, so you are more optimistic, even though the, well, the cases are ticking up, the fact that it's young people makes you more optimistic, and that older people who are most susceptible, which usually convert sadly to death, that's why the numbers are still dropping on that. Am I, deduce, am I deducting correctly? That's right, Brian. We're seeing a divergence in the data where we're seeing two different curves on the epidemic curve, really two different pandemics, a pandemic of older and high-risk people. We're crushing that one, okay? We're doing great on that one. Deaths and hospitalizations plummeting. And there's another pandemic, and that is a pandemic of younger people, people in their teens and 20s and 30s and 40s, and they've been last in the vaccine line, so they're, they're, they have much less immunity, and they're circulating and they're getting the infection, and so they're driving case numbers up. Those cases will linger among young people through April and into May, but it's not, it does not represent a significant public health threat of a new surge, and that's what Dr. Walensky does not get, and I don't appreciate this kind of, you know, you could, you know, we could have calamity if you misbehave. We could have more cases among young people if folks misbehave. You don't have data in front of you, but you know right now with the mask mandate, you know that uh, Texas and a few other uh, states, Mississippi, Montana, Iowa, North Dakota, uh, have all said don't worry about the mask mandate. You know, South Dakota, too. Well, And then here's Joe Biden saying, I don't like what you're doing with this. It's not politics. Cut 24. We share the sentiment of Dr. Walensky, the head of the Center for Disease Control and and prevention. The CDC expressed earlier today, this is not a time to lessen our efforts. That's what she said. We could still see a setback in the vaccination program. And most importantly, if we let our guard down now, we could see a virus getting worse, not better. He goes on to say, I I want you to put those mask mandates back. And I have a problem, Dr. McCrory, if you're going to let people stream in this country without testing them, don't tell the people in this country to go wear two masks again, especially when the numbers for 17, 18 now straight days are going down in places like Texas. And believe it or not, cases, uh, you know, cases are going up in New York where we still have an 11 o'clock curfew, 50 percent occupancy. And there is a mask mandate. It's uh, kind of funny listening to Biden say that he agrees with the comments of Dr. Walensky when every single thing she says is read from a script of a speech that the White House either wrote or approved for her to say. 
So, I mean, the, the idea of listening to the science is just out the window right now. Um, but, yeah, no, Texas is going to be okay. You know, initially I was not excited about a strong anti-masking language because business owners were saying it's too tough to enforce a selective mask policy for indoor public areas. You know, you go into a grocery store and someone says, hey, the governor's telling me I don't have to wear a mask. So, but that's different from the restriction lifting. Restrictions should be up to the density that business owners feel comfortable with. So they're really two different things, lifting restrictions and then the masking language. It's not going to make a big difference because, you know what, most people in, have lost credibility. They'll have, and there's no more credibility with folks at the CDC and other places. They're going to do what they feel comfortable doing, and we're not going to see a big difference. The WHO – most high-risk – yeah, the yeah, WHO uh, project is the report is coming out about where this whole thing started, and it seems to be an absolute farce. Jamie Metzl was also on the 60 Minutes piece, and he's a former official. He's advisor of the WHO for uh, under Clinton. Said this, cut 31. I've read the full report, and I think we should be very upset about this process. It is entirely inadequate. They've done a thorough job of investigating the first hypothesis that you mentioned, that it jumped from bats to other animals to humans, and that's possible. But they've entirely discounted, without any significant inquiry, the very likely possibility that COVID-19 began from an accidental lab leak. That's Jamie. Do you feel the same way, 30 seconds or less, Dr. McCrory? The, well, the report is really a waste of paper. You know, I wish they, they didn't use paper to print it. It was a complete waste of money. It was a complete joke. The lab accidents are common. People have to understand. I've seen this my whole career. You've got young people in there. They're often unsupervised. Uh, you know, they're often working late at night. And so what are the odds you had this happen? And I think a bunch of lab workers came to Wuhan Hospital. That's why they detained and arrested yeah. some of the doctors there. Absolutely. Right? And Dr. so Martin. that up. Dr. Marty McCarty, always appreciate your insight. Thanks so much. Simulcast with Stuart Varney next. FBN, Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm going to take your calls in about seven minutes, but first I'm going to go on with Stuart Varney on FBN. You can watch on, and I think it's the fast growing cable company uh, in the country. I should have done something with my hair. Um, because it's going to go uh, on Fox Nation, my hair looks great, but I'm not sure on FBN if it'll really work. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, including. Uh, uh, the elections. Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade. We got one. Here we go. It is now 10:51 officially, and Brian Kilmeade miraculously appears on the screen. I want to talk about Georgia's new voting law. Democrats call it racist. The president says it's Jim Crow of the 21st century. Break it down. What do you say, Brian? I mean, for the first time, it's not, and for the first time, Governor Kemp is defining it. I mean, they are just terrible communicators over in Georgia. These Republicans went out and they allow mail-in voting. They just want you to have 
of voter ID. For some reason, that adds up to Jim Crow. Voter ID, Jim Crow, I think 70% of the country want voter ID. So that is not an unpopular move. When you talk about drop boxes, they never had them before the pandemic. Now they got to be in every county. Big counties, there'll be more than one. On top of that, they say this whole thing about water online, it's a misdemeanor if you give somebody water online. The reality is they don't want electioneering. They don't want people walking up with Subway sandwiches or Big Mike sandwiches and saying, here, how you doing? I'm from uh, I'm, I'm from the Biden camp. Maybe you guys want some lunch, and that's maybe how you're going to vote. But guess who can give water? The people at the precincts. There's going to be refreshments there. So that whole thing of two weeks of hearing uh, making water illegal for African Americans because the lines are usually longer is not the case. They also want to be able to look at dysfunctional areas that are having uh, voting, uh, have voting areas for, to cast your ballot and saying if this is not working, now the state has the ability to overturn that leadership and get effective leadership in. So we're not hung up in certain counties, and we're not counting forever. Their sense of closing the polls early is because they can get some tallies early. But I think that opening up another hour or two would make sense. Guys, people like us, we wouldn't be able to vote. Because we can't, we don't get home by five o'clock in a lot of days. That would be an issue. So that I could see having some flexibility with. But the point was too, when they have the runoffs, don't make it such a wide gap so it's a nonstop election season. To me, this is common sense. But if you make it Jim Crow, that helps you pass HR one, which is in the Washington hopper that would revolutionize how we vote. To me, in a bad way. No, not good. I'm with you on this one, Brian. Now I want to bring up the WHO report on the origins of COVID. That report leaked, says it came from animals, not from a lab. Are you fired up about this? Do you think that the WHO is covering up the real virus origin? We had Jamie Metzl, who uh, worked for the Clinton administration, as advisor of the WHO, on the radio show about a month ago. So we've been kind of staying in touch. And he was on 60 Minutes last night, If uh, excuse me, on Sunday night, if you missed it. Uh, he is so incensed that no one seems to care that the WHO sent up a committee to go into China to find out how this was done. But China decided where they would go, what they would see, and provide the data for a lot of their report. And Dr. Marty McCarry, who we just hung up with last segment, said it's not what the paper was written on. Jamie Metzl says this is a total whitewash, and we still don't know. And what I think is most important is not to point fingers on the professor or the lab or the bat. It is to stop the next one. And if you're not going to be candid how this one started, they killed over a million people, including 550,000 Americans, why do we think they're ever going to be candid? And why were the only nation outraged by it? Why, aren't the, why isn't everyone in Western Europe incensed throughout the Middle East? My goodness, in Brazil, they might not even survive this as a, and be the same country. Where is the outrage? It's China's money and their trade that keeps their critics silent. We can't be silent. We have a responsibility to speak up, defend our allies, and speak up against this evil regime. And by the way, Brian, I don't think we're doomed, and I don't think you do either. But that's the word from the CDC, and that is just ridiculous. We'll have more on that later in the show. Brian, thanks for joining us, as always. We're always on time, and we like it. See All right. you soon. Go get him. Thank you, you so much, Stuart. one 408 Let's try to squeeze in a couple of calls. Eric, listen on WNDB in Daytona Beach. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. Uh, I just spent the last two days locked in the house with my wife because I tested positive for COVID. 
And because of my employer, I go I go all over Florida into different drugstores, and I must wear a mask, and I must wear gloves. I have Lysol wipes. I'm always wiping. Somehow I still got COVID, and I'm 56, and the muscle aches were bad for the first day or two. Uh, I didn't get any coughing. Um, I guess I did a lot better, but I've been sicker. I have been sicker from just the regular flu, but my doctor, it sounds like that guest that you just had sounded just like my doctor. I now have had COVID. I should get a card that's better than a vaccine card yep. because the vaccine doesn't always work. I now have tested positive for antibodies. I shouldn't be hassled. I shouldn't have to go to Checkpoint Charlie and tell them who won the World Series. I'm fine. And I think my doctor said 2% of the people. His, the numbers were a little bit different than your previous guest, but she said that she read the AMA said only 2% of the people ever get this again. So leave me alone. Give me a card that says I've already had it. I don't want this vaccine. Um, I think they said Marvin Hagler died like six hours after getting it. They yeah, didn't that's say not it. true. It yeah, that turns out that's not true. Uh, listen, AstraZeneca had some issues, but for the most part, it's been remarkably successful. And I would say this. And on the other hand, I'm not washing my hands every second. I do the best I can. But I've been going on trains for eight months. I've been going on planes about 15 times. I'm going to be going on again on Friday. And I'm traveling, stayed in hotels. I've uh, I've driven uh, 700 miles back and forth to Florida a couple of times. And as I'm saying, I'm going to work every day, going to a TV studio, going to a radio studio, talking to a bunch of people. I'm very fortunate I haven't gotten it. And I got a vaccine shot yesterday. I'll get my second one in three weeks. And I'll do what's necessary. But I am not going to shelter in place. That, that is not the answer. It destroys the country. It destroys family. It destroys people. I will not do it. And I'm not going to live my life in paranoia. I'm not saying it's not dangerous. I understand the risk. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, 1-866-408-7669, New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Governor Jim Justice is going to be with us shortly. At the bottom of the hour, uh, James, uh, we're going to be joined by James Lindsay. You're going to love his uh, take on critical race theory and so much more. And so I don't keep the governor waiting because he does have a great story to tell, especially when it comes to vaccines. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Another woman has come forward with allegations against Governor Cuomo. 55-year-old Sherry Ville says he kissed her on the cheek in 2017 when he came to her home near Rochester on a visit to inspect area flood damage. In response yesterday, a lawyer representing Governor Cuomo said, quote, During times of crisis, the governor has frequently sought to comfort New Yorkers with hugs and kisses. Uh, will nine be the number that oust disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo? Yes, a ninth woman comes forward with harassment allegations, and she's got a picture. And now the Washington Post is joining the New York Post and the, uh, the Albany newspaper in examining the so-called VIP list for those close to Cuomo when it comes to tests and treatment. All this while his poll numbers, believe it or not, have stabilized in New York. Number two. I don't know how anybody could honestly read the facts behind this bill and what the bill 
does. The Democrats act like we're taking something away because we just want to secure the drop boxes inside the polling locations. Uh, that is right. That is Governor Brian Kemp uh, defending his uh, Georgia rules when it comes to elections. Republicans begin to fight back finally and define what their voting reform actually does. Will it be enough as Dems try to overreach with their Jim Crow rhetoric? Number one. We just announced an envoy as well uh, to the region, which shows our focus and emphasis on addressing the root causes. And of course, the vice president of the United States will be uh, helping lead that effort, specifically the root causes, not the border. There's some confusion over that. Great. We have an envoy, but the vice president was supposed to do it herself. I guess she really doesn't want to work. The Biden border crisis. President Biden hands off the mission to fix the border to the VP, and she says, I'm not really going to the border, and I'll get to it when I have a chance. Maybe go see the countries that are causing this mess. Meanwhile, despite the conversion of dozens of facilities, the number of illegals we warehouse is still too big to handle, especially with unaccompanied minors. The numbers are stunning, approaching 20,000, and overall 9,000 coming to our country illegally a day. Well, he's not running a border state, but it's going to affect him. Governor Jim Justice of West Virginia joins us now. Hey, Governor... Does it seem far away for you to be that concerned about what's happening on our southern border? Does that affect the people of West Virginia? Well, sure it does, Brian. And, and you know, and, and how it affects us is just this way. And, and thank you for having me, and I appreciate you every day. But, uh, thank you. But, Brian, if, you, if you'll just step back from this whole thing and just think, uh, American people need to realize really fast that what we've got going on right now is we've got, we've got thunderstorms all around us. But really and truly, what these thunderstorms are going to do, if we don't watch out, these thunderstorms are going to mass, them, mass themselves into a tsunami that we absolutely will have happening within the United States of America. We will lose the United States of America as we know it. And truly, truly, the Biden administration is going to be so far out over their skis that everybody will be panicking and just running in all kinds of different directions, helter-skelter. So at the end of the day, surely, surely, the people of West Virginia are concerned with what's going on at the border. It is absolutely ludicrous to think of an, um, of an administration that said we want to be completely transparent and hiding everything. I mean, you know, this thing is going to blow. And right now, we think it's bad. We haven't seen anything yet. I know. And, and the thing is, we have 400,000, maybe more homeless in this country. And we have so many kids uh, that need homes, whether it's foster care or adoption. And is there anything wrong, Governor Justice, in thinking about American kids first, American families first? Well, that's what President Trump did with all of us so much. And if we go back to President Reagan, you know, President Reagan, probably his biggest gift to all of us was he made Americans feel good about being Americans. And, uh, and really and truly, we are a powerful force that leads the globe. And when we absolutely start dropping our heads, this whole world's going to be in trouble. But uh, no, Brian, I am a real believer and a real patriot. So I'm, I am awfully proud to say we should think about America first. And we should be sympathetic to the world. But for God's sake to live, and we've got a lot of people that are hurting all around us right now, and we need to tend to them. Absolutely. And Governor Justice, uh, when you were kind enough to come on with me last week on primetime at 7, by the way, I'll be on the 5 today, but I, we don't have guests, or else we would have booked you right away. Um, Governor, when you were kind of, a, a story came out in the Wall Street Journal that said, uh, why the Democrats hate West Virginia? 
Why do Democrats hate West Virginia? And essentially what you did is you using local pharmacies, uh, mainly as the impetus, you helped beat everybody else when it came to vaccines. And you uh, being, I guess, frugal and smart with your money, you might be able to stop the – you might be able to follow Texas and Florida and maybe Tennessee by ending the state income tax. Why would, why would Democrats resent that? Well, I think, you know, jealousy and envy, you know, are two really tough things in this world. But uh, but from the standpoint of, of, of just how we handled the vaccines, of course, you know, Brian, I'm, I'm not a braggadocious guy, but we, little old West Virginia that everybody thought was, you know, a poor state or backward state and everything, we've, we've led the way in everything from nursing homes to right on through how we got the vaccines in people's arms, and we just did it the right way. When really, truly, a lot of states that were run by Democrats, honestly, were sitting around with their thumb up for you-know-what, and, and at the end of the day, they were trying to devise a system, a bureaucratic system on how to get shots in people's arms. And with all that, people were dying. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, people were dying. Well, we figured it out in West Virginia that it's just good common sense and how to move forward. And in, and in regard to the taxation— you and I both know that Democrats and, and primarily Senator Manchin immediately wrote into the law that, you know, on any stimulus dollars and everything, if the state is running perfectly and the state's doing everything above board, what they want to do is say, if you lower taxes anywhere, we're going to absolutely draw back on you and penalize you and take take dollars back away from you. Well, you know. I mean, it is the most bizarre thing in the world because at the end of the day, these dollars are the people's dollars. And so with all that, what we want to do is uh, we want to try to eliminate our state income tax, and uh, and I think we've got a real pathway to do it. Now, Brian, I've got to say this, and this is the most bewildering thing of all about the getting, getting rid of the state income tax. You know, we have super majorities on the Republican side here, and we ought to be able to get this thing done, period. But we've got some people, you know, some very right-wing thinking people that really at the end of the day, you know, they're liable to sit there and if I could lower Brian's income tax by $5,000 a year, in other words, writing checks back for $5,000, but I was going to go over and raise the bubblegum tax a penny, they would sit there and say, by God, I'm not doing that. I'm not raising the tax. Well, I mean, you can't get there. You just can't get there. You're talking about consumption taxes. Consumption taxes. Yeah, I mean, that, but you, at the end of the day, you know, we've got to think more out of the box than that. And we think if we're just dug in that way in life, we'll never get there. And so so that's a real problem right now. It's a bewildering problem, but it's a problem. So right now they say make a consumption tax. So if, you, if you, you're buying cigarettes, you're buying beer, whatever, maybe there'll be an additional tax on that. And, they, and, and some Republicans are pushing back on you with that? That's exactly right, and it's so bizarre, it's unbelievable. Because this is a this is a Republican idea. This is a Republican way. I mean, in the state of West Virginia, if we create a situation where we're giving the people back, and that's and we're going to write them checks back, we're not going to just let you know a lesser amount be deducted from your payroll. You know, I mean, we're going we're, as, as you get your check, it's going to be the same. But then we're going to write you a check back. You know, but we're going to write checks back for a billion. $87 million to the people of West Virginia. And what are they going to do? They're going to spend it. 
And what's going to happen to our small businesses? They're going to explode, and they're going to have a right to spend it however they choose to spend it. If they want to spend it all on cigarettes, well, they're going to pay a little bit higher tax, you know, but they don't have to do that. They're going, that is our fundamental right in this country, and that's what I think we should be doing, and that is a Republican idea. But I'm getting pushback because all these lobbyists, just like in D.C., all these lobbyists, here they come with the money. And then before you know it, you know, even good Republicans are saying, well, by God, I'm not going to do this, just like I said, because it raises a tax on something. You did, it's just silly. Yeah, you did pass school vouchers, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. that's going to help those that's underperforming it. schools. People take that those vouchers and go to uh, private schools. So it gives parents uh, some power. That's awesome. Governor, do you do you and I understand that. So that's the debate you're going to have now. And Joe Manchin's interesting because he's the one who signed off on you can't raise taxes in every state if you take this money. He signed off on that. I thought he was on your side. He's the he's the Democrat senator from West Virginia and former governor. Well, I mean, Joe wrote into the law. He's it's his language, and and in that situation, he hurt a lot, a lot of West Virginians. Honest to goodness, Brian, if we miss this opportunity, he absolutely probably diminished or destroyed our future. Period. Now, you know, and I think Joe probably didn't have any idea what he was even doing when he did that. But at the end of the day, you know, Brian. I absolutely, I know without any question, this is the right thing for West Virginia. It's the right thing for our people. But, uh, but I, I do not understand. I do not understand, you know, the politics that goes on every day and people bickering and everything else. But, uh, you know, Joe he heard me in my state of the state. He's the one that wrote this in. But Joe has a bigger role right now to play in, the, in regard to the filibuster. I am very concerned. But I do believe that good sense will come over Joe, and and I really believe that uh, there's at least a legitimate chance that he will not go with the Democrats on this. But if we go there, that's the tsunami. So if he he blows up the filibuster and has a simple majority pass legislation, he said over and over again, what don't you understand? I am not for this. But you are not convinced that he is not eventually going to go along with it. Does it have anything to do with the— Joe Biden hiring his wife? Well, I hope not. I hope not. You know, I was, uh, you know, I, I was very respectful and supportive of, you know, uh, you know, the the move with Gail. You know, I think Gail will do a good job. You know, I, I really, but at the same time, uh, you know, Brian, I've said it over and over. You know, President Trump used to say all the time that Joe was the first one to jump up on the State of the Union message and everything in opposition to the Democrats, right in front of him as he was delivering that speech. But yet every time, every single time that he needed Joe, and Joe talked a lot and everything about it and everything, every time he migrated back to Schumer. And in this situation, uh, I, I'm sure Joe's getting a lot of pressure from the Schumer side and the Biden side, but at the same time, you know, he has he has expressed his views concretely, and uh, and and if he signs on to this, I'd say credibility out the window, and really and truly, I'd say. I'd say you better get a life raft because the tsunami will come and it will be here really soon. So I tell you what, uh, the people of West Virginia you mentioned already would not be happy with that, right? 
Oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The people of West Virginia would be crazy about that in a negative way. Coal, the way I understand it, the coal production has gone down. But you know what's gone up is natural gas and I guess fracking in West Virginia. It's been great for your state. Are you concerned that that could be history? Judging by the green, uh, these green policies that are emerging from the left that Joe Biden seems to be embracing, one of which costs ten trillion dollars. What does it do? What does it worry you as a as a guy who has to handle the bank account for the state that one of your great income earners might go by the boards? Well, Brian, listen. You know it is frivolous. It is totally frivolous to believe in twenty twenty one that we can do without our fossil fuels today. And the people that believe that, they're absolutely just they're just they're just barking at the moon. I mean, someday maybe. Today, ridiculous. And with all of that and everything, that's gonna be another just another part of the tsunami. And 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 you know, but it would it would devastate West Virginia in a gigantic way. But the good thing about West Virginia is we have diversified. West Virginia today is deriving less on their on their uh, severance tax on their coal, oil, and gas than any time in the last 25 years, and and so West Virginia is really moving and moving in a good way. But absolutely, I truly believe for America, for America, you know, if if Joe Biden continues down this path, you just wait and see. Jim will be right about this. We will be in a quagmire like you can't imagine. I, I know you're right. Uh, I know that'll happen, and I'm really scared, uh, judging by how he's acted over the past three months. Uh, one-on-one with uh, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice just took place. Governor, I appreciate the quality time. Hi, Brian, thank you so much. I right. said over and over. I mean it. I appreciate you every day. Thank uh, you. Thank you for saying that. And I know the people of West Virginia especially appreciate you. one 408 And thanks for your support for me. Uh, we'll be back with your phone calls in just a second. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. If we believe in that so-called user pays principle, the idea that part of how we pay for roads is you pay based on how much you drive, uh, the gas tax used to be the obvious way to do it. It's not anymore. So a so-called vehicle miles traveled tax or mileage tax, whatever you want to call it, could be a way to do it. But he changed his mind pretty rapidly, didn't he? Um, That tax would charge people for... Uh, how many miles they drive. Is that under consideration? No, that, that's not part of the conversation about this infrastructure bill. Uh, so just want to make sure that's, that's really clear. But you will be hearing a lot more details in the coming days about how we envision being able to fund this. So they're talking about two more spending bills, uh, one of which heavily into bridges and roads. The other is uh, something infrastructure, very interesting, uh, community college for free, pre, uh, pre-K for free, uh, tag, uh, child tax credits for free. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to free, uh, forgive all student debt. So how do you pay for that? How do you, how do you pay for other people's debt? Because you're so kind. 
you up taxes. Now, I remember Charles Krauthammer, as I mentioned yesterday, talking about, you know, we haven't raised the tax, the gas tax temporarily. Why don't you put it on for a year? You could actually do that. It is somewhat of a consumer tax. And uh, you, if, with, with gas prices so low, you could probably pull that off, although they're going up under Joe Biden. About a dollar, I think. They're around $3. And if they hit a certain threshold, the gas tax comes off. I think Republicans should sign off on that. But can you imagine a user tax where every mile you drive you get taxed? Let's say you're making $55,000 a year as a salesperson. It means you got to go knock on doors or knock on gyms to sell them equipment. You know how many miles you put on your car? And then what? What if you go, I don't know, to on vacation? I think I'm going to go on vacation. i got a tight budget. I think I'll drive to save money. No, you're not going to save any money because it's going to cost you so much you're probably not even going to go to begin with. So hopefully uh, people who judge realizes that or they're not getting us ready to actually get it. The first thing you do is introduce it and the intelligence says it's impossible. Next time it's more plausible. But I was shocked to see that they're working on a $10 trillion green bill. $10 trillion. Senator Markey, not Senator Biden. Uh, excuse me, Senator Biden. Uh, President Biden. $10 trillion. They, they think that this money is not real. It's real. And we're going to have to pay it or pass on the invoice to the next generation. I'm sure they'll be thrilled by it. When we come back, James Lindsay on who's woke and not. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. At American colleges, if you're a faculty member and you want more pay or a promotion, you must publish articles. Since the journals supposedly have high standards, some researchers were thrilled to get an email from a journal that said, I have now closely considered the revisions of your manuscript, Dog Park. And <laughs> they're laughing because they just pulled off a hope. And will recommend its publication in Gender, Place, and Culture. They'd sent so-called research to 20 prominent journals in women and gender studies, race studies, sexuality, fat, and queer studies for this journal of social work. We rewrote a section of Mein Kampf as intersectional feminism, and this journal has accepted it. Seven of their crazy papers got in. And one that claims that dog-humping incidents can be taken as evidence of rape culture has been officially honored as excellent scholarship. Thinking, oh my God, we got a paper in, and it's probably the craziest thing we wrote. And they had to study the genitals of 100,000 dogs, they said. 10,000, I'm sorry, I overstated it. Uh, so that was a report that John Stossel just shows that there's a lot of prestige in getting in these magazines, and they were getting in these magazines by putting in faulty research because it was the theme in which they wanted. It's the new woke culture, and that was done a couple of years ago, but it's more in vogue today. James Lindsay knows all that. He's a mathematician, expert in critical race theory, founder of NewDiscourses.com, and author of the books, Cynical Theories and How to Have Impossible Conversations. James, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. James, does it surprise you things like that got through with if you if you start with the right premise, do you get published or you get recognized? Oh, yeah. At the time, we were pretty sure it would be possible, but it was absolutely shocking, the stuff that we wrote, because we were trying to be as crazy as possible. I mean, literally looking at dog sex and examining thousands of dog genitals uh, and sending that off and having it considered excellent scholarship, rewriting a chapter of Mein Kampf and seeing a social work journal pick that up. It's Hitler. And in turn, did you get a retribution? Do you get praise? 
we got kind of a you know polarized reaction. Obviously, the people in the universities were mostly mad at us. They didn't thank us for showing this corruption that's going on so that they could clean house. Meanwhile, people who uh, are outside of the university, mostly right-wing people, noticed – they knew this problem was happening. They knew it was there, and they were grateful for the evidence, and they were very positive. So it was a very polarized response. How do we get here, James? Who, who wants us to be more feminine? Who wants us to be more woke? Uh, I'll be real blunt, the communists. <laughs> it's a little it's a little more complicated than that, but this has been – this is sort of like the end point of a century-long – uh, incursion into Western civilization, Western culture to try to turn it over from within. And they seem to be succeeding because I don't know anybody who embraces this agenda. I mean, when I'm watching Bill Maher speak out and say, stop with the cancel culture, when I'm watching comedians say, uh, I no longer want to be part of the Democratic Party because I don't even know where they're coming at with this agenda uh, because everyone's being canceled, fired, released, boycotted. Uh, who's left? Um. A lot of people are not left. They're all leaving. Uh, I even have seen now threads of people who were very defensive of Biden going into the election who are now already saying they're absolutely done with Biden. They're done with the Democratic Party. They're never going to vote Democrat again because of just all of this crazy stuff getting pushed in so quickly and so hard, which personally I predicted. I tried to tell people I got ended up having to go on television in three countries to explain myself after I said I was going to vote for Trump uh, back in October. But it was, it was, in my opinion, a necessary move, and we made a big mistake. The country did. I don't think there's any question, um, but I felt that way all along. I think Joe Biden shot. Uh, I don't know whose agenda this is, but you couldn't have gone – you couldn't have gone more out of your way to destroy the country. You might as well be China. You're getting rid of oil and gas. You're opening up our borders. You're running up our deficit in an, in an intolerable way, a way in which Larry Summers, the former Treasury Secretary for Barack Obama, that says it's unsustainable. You wonder who's steering this ship, and you believe this is something that's been going on for a while. No, it's certainly been going on for a while. The attempt to take over the universities, like with this academic literature, is a deliberate plan that was hatched in the 1960s by leftist radicals who are very famous, whose names aren't well known today, like Herbert Marcuse. Uh, it's his logic that we live in today. The logic is called repressive tolerance. There is an essay written in 1965 by the same guy, Herbert Marcuse, saying that the movements from the left must be tolerated, even if they're violent movements from the right must not be tolerated. They must be censored. They must even be pre-censored so that the thoughts can never even enter their heads. That's the logic we live in. This is a long-running project. Um, this is this isn't just coming out of the grass. Uh, you mentioned China, by the way. They are funding this. They they are also on their social media accounts stoking it. They know what they're doing. They see the weapon. Um, lots of money goes from CCP organizations into uh, funding outlets that put stuff like this out. I could name a big one for you that was pretty crucial last year, which is the T.H. Chan School of Public Health at Harvard. Should look into how that was created, how it was funded. Largest single donation ever given to Harvard University was given by a man named Ronnie Chan, who has not the same Chan as T.H. Chan, but uh, they're related, and he's got deep ties to CCP. This is There is a lot of Chinese money behind this. Yeah, so you have to wonder where it's going because they are they have this they are trumpeting their masculinity and their aggression and they're here on our military is trumpeting we should be more inclusive. We're talking about gutting uh any type of um, you know, uh, aberrant behavior within our military instead of addressing it with our enemies. I never remember anything like that. It's almost as if our Pentagon's got timid. 
they've got timid. They've also, this is the same kind of thing. That plan that I talked about in the 1960s from Marcusa has deeper roots to a guy named Antonio Gramsci. Antonio Gramsci was probably the inspiration for Mao's project. Uh, and this got hatched. And his, his goal, Gramsci's goal was to infiltrate existing institutions and create a new culture within them from the inside by bringing in bureaucrats and experts who are going to change the organizational culture to turn it into something else. So it's far worse than that our military has gotten timid. Our military has been uh, colonized by people who have an anti-America, anti-West agenda. And that whole politically correctness within it, that's uh, hard to explain. I never remember anything like that uh, in my in my lifetime where we seem to be focusing on our own enemies. And we're talking more about white supremacy in America than we're talking about ISIS in the Middle East. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, the targets for this this, organi- or this this operation is within. It is the target Western civilization at its very uh, pillars that hold it up, and it's to knock those things down. So if the targets are going to be uh, Western civilization, and they're going to be to hit the, the points that are weakest, where people are going to get the most inflamed. So everything has to be white supremacy now, because everybody rightly rejects the idea of white supremacy. So they're going to hit us in our weakest spot, and they're doing it not from the outside, but from within. And if you want to create chaos in America, how about defunding the police? Isn't that what we're seeing yeah, now? Yeah, exactly. Defunding the police is yet another one of these programs. These people don't actually want there to be fewer police. They want there to be fewer police that they don't control. So they want to make it so that the police forces are established and dictated by them. So, you know, we'll have all these rehires and they're going to mandate all kinds of diversity training and all this implicit. I think we might have lost James. Is he back? Am I back? Oh, yeah, you're back. We just lost you for a second. They want this diversity training to fund the police. They just want the, a compliant police or less police that are going to be sued like we have here now with uh, with with immunity gone for a police officer in New York City. Yeah. Or you can look, for example, if they can't get it with the police, uh, you see that taken away in New York City. But if you can't get that with the police, you can look at what's happening in Portland. You can look at what's happening in San Francisco under the district attorney, uh, Kesa Boudin, who refuses to charge people who are, are leftist activists who commit crimes. So, you know, they're they're demoralizing the citizenry. They're demoralizing the police. The stuff that's going on in the military, is I've heard directly from whistleblowers inside the military who reached out to me and said that it's demoralizing our our armed forces and our even our special forces now. Uh, this extremism stand down is all based in this. Uh, it's really, it's a very dangerous situation, and most people don't realize that we are at kind of the make or break point of an attempted coup of the United States that's happening from within. How does the pandemic fit into all this? To me, it seems to have been an accelerant into, in it. Yeah, it, it created a lot of opportunity to, to stress people out, to get people to be disconnected from one another, to make people work from home, to connect digitally where we act differently, we see each other differently, we're not as warm, people are meaner, and we're more stressed out, more anxious, more uh, psychologically unwell because of all of these different features, the fear in particular. And then to constantly hit that point again and again and again, that weak point of America is, oh, look at all of the racial imbalances. Look how this is racially unfair. We need now health equity. We need now racial justice and health. We need to name racism as a public health emergency and take special powers to to, uh, to deal with that. It all added up into a lot of opportunity to push this ideology, this narrative-driven ideology, into every corner and every facet of life. You know, it's pretty amazing, too, is that now you have – 
uh, you see race in everything. They want to put this critical race theory into the curriculum in schools. They say uh, studies have revealed last week in the Washington Post that kids as young as three months old have exhibited signs of superiority and supremacy at three months old. Yeah, that's a that's a one of the things that these people do, as with our dog sex paper, uh, is they take existing things and do complete distortions of them for activist purposes. The study that they are quoting for this three-month-old thing, I looked it up, I read it. They actually don't tell you when they report that, that they only use white children, and they had them look at pictures of, of people with different races on television screens while their mothers held them. So they had absolutely no way to screen out, is it that the child preferentially looks slightly longer at faces that match the what their mother's face looks like in a kind of blurry three-month-old way. The study is absolutely poor. It is absolutely can, – you cannot draw the conclusions they draw from it. But they draw those conclusions anyway because they have no obligation to the truth. So what They do you, only have obligation to their narrative. So, uh, so James Lindsay, as you look at critical race theory, where I would, I would say you're an expert, uh, how do you fight back from that? I mean, we're watching this happen now in Loudoun County in Virginia where some of these parents, they tried to, to uh, put them on a blacklist and try to get rid of their kids, and they're fighting back, and they're mocking uh, their opponents. Instead of running in fear of being called a racist, they're mocking that fact. They think that's the key. Yeah, I mean, that is one tool. They don't like to be mocked. They also don't have the truth on their side. They also don't like to be resisted. So you have to resist them. You have to stand up. You have to speak up. You have to get lawyers involved and bring lawsuits, uh, especially in schools. What seems to be an avenue that works is bringing lawsuits about compelled speech. They're compelling kids to admit to their racism, for example, or to talk about privilege and their privileged status. Yeah, these these kinds of things have to be done. People are going to have to speak up about this. They're going to have to say, no, racism is wrong always, whether it's done by people that we traditionally think of as racist 50 years ago or whether it's by these new racists, these neo-racists using critical race theory to divide America, divide, divide our children, divide our societies and even the military by race and to make race relevant to everything in a poisonous way. And by the way, there's a there's a story out today that I want you to take a look at. Captain Underpants, which is a children's book, obviously, being pulled for passive racism. Here is uh, Helen Raleigh um, on the woke mob threatening children's education. It's really alarming to see how similar what's happening, what's happening in China versus what's happening here. As I was growing up, there were very few literatures, children's literature to read, and many of them were dull, colorless. They were focused on political indoctrination. Although in today's America, we are not quite there yet, but you are saying this, you know, it's already happening that they're canceling Dr. Seuss book, and also we are indoctrinating children from very young age about to teach them that they're, the color of the skin determines their life. Those are all very scary trends. So the book follows a pair of friends who travel uh, through time where they meet a martial arts instructor who teaches them Kung Fu, and they learn principles found in Chinese philosophy. However, its publisher, Scholastic, has decided to remove the book from its website, stop processing orders for it, and seeking a return for an inventory. They go on to say, uh, the author, I hope that you, my readers, will forgive me and learn from my mistake that even unintentional and passive stereotypes and racism are harmful to everyone. I apologize and pledge to do better. What for well, doing um, what? That's that's kind of standard. Here's the first thing you people need to know when you run into this, you don't apologize like that. That's the that's your death your death now right there. You lost. 
Do not apologize. That's the goal of this movement is to put people on their heels, make them apologize for things that weren't wrong in the first place. And once you do, you feel guilty. You're you're in a defensive position. You can't stand up and resist this. So don't apologize for stuff that you shouldn't apologize for. That's number one. Number two, this is this has a name. You know, the the little clip we heard is correct. This is this mirrors Maoist China. This is a Maoist program. They called it destroying the four olds, the Suju, uh, and that was one of his main projects: get rid of the old habits, the old customs, the old culture, the old ways of thinking in society. Uproot them all. Throw them all away. In German, they called this Alphaben der Kultur. This is a long-standing Marxist program to to uproot the existing culture and replace it with mm. their new Marxist agenda. And let me add this. Why don't we take down our history, mock George Washington, take Lincoln off your grammar school, uh, make sure Jefferson comes out of William and & Mary, and uh, also apologize for putting Jefferson at the University of Virginia. Uh, try to take Frederick Douglass's statue out of Rochester where he lived most of his free life. So all this stuff is taking place exactly like you said it, and we got to become aware of it and take action and stop being passive. Stop thinking this is going to go away because it won't. James Lindsay, That's thanks exactly so much. Right. Yep, thank you. You got him. You can follow him on Twitter, at Conceptual James. Uh, back in a moment. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Can each of you say whether or not you trust the findings of this report? Yeah, Caitlin, I'd like to see that report first. And I also would like to inquire as to the extent in which the people who were on that group had access directly to the data that they would need to make a determination. Once I get that information, I'll be able to more adequately answer whether I trust it or not. I, too, have not yet uh, had an opportunity to see it. Uh, so I've been reserve judgment as well. What's so hard and how could you possibly not be all over an investigation into the, uh, the genesis of the Wuhan virus? How could you not be into that? They sent a crew in there. Uh, they, were, they were stopped by China. Everybody knows it. Jamie Metzl talked about it on 60 Minutes. He's going to be on with us on Thursday. Former uh, WHO advisor, worked with the Clinton administration, was on with us this morning on Fox and & Friends. And when presented with what Jamie concluded, they still are couching it. When you know he could call up anyone at the Wuhan lab, which I believe we played a role in financing, and find the answers to. By the way, I'll be on the 5 today and tomorrow, so make sure you tune in. Patrick, listen on WNDB. Uh, hey, Patrick. Hey, Brian. Um, one thing I want to tell you is I saw a Trump flag yesterday. It said Trump DeSantis, which I thought was interesting. But yeah. in, the, in terms of the gas um, mileage thing, I have a lawn business down here in Florida. Are they going to put a monitor on my mower and on my weed whacker and yep. on my trimmer? Is that is that what I think it's more your car, but maybe they're going to look at your overall purchases. Maybe they're going to give a special credit card for that. He pulled back on that, uh, Patrick. Tom, listen on uh, Mitchell, North Dakota. Tom. Hey, Brian, this is Tom. Um, I have a comment about uh, something you were talking about a little earlier. You had a guest on talking about how they're going to start using eye scanners and stuff like that before you get on a plane because they want to know whether. I, I think that's crazy. We don't even we don't even put anything um, as far as effort into making sure that the people that are voting are the people they're supposed to be, or that you know they're even legal. So let's just do it for. Why can't we do that for voting? Why is it so? Why is it not insulting for Delta 
but it's insulting for Atlanta. It's a joke. I hope we just don't fall for it. Don't get scared and say, I want ID. That means you're racist. You're not. You want an authentic election. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.